This summer we are mining the depths of God's love for each one of us. And it is proving to be a treasure trove of God's goodness. As a kid, I went to church an awful lot. More than I wanted to. Uh, but one of the hymns that was very popular back then was He Giveth More Grace. Now this is uh, the chorus. I want you to sing it with me if you know it. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundary known unto man. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. Yeah, we'll all sing it. His love has no limit, his grace has no measure, his power no that God's love for you is limitless. All right, starting with pop quiz. Does anyone know what these five items have in common? That is the big green egg barbecue, the chimney hat, the Doc Martin boots, the Jansport backpack, and the Zippo lighter. Anybody? Camping. Camping? Yeah, yeah. <coughs> What do you think, Jeff? Jeff Scott, it's on the tip of the Hiking. Pardon me? Hiking? Hiking, yeah. Same, certainly, outdoors sort of stuff. All of those items have a lifetime guarantee. That wasn't that close. That's amazing, right? In, in this day of uh, limited warranties and voluminous fine print, that there's actually something that has a lifetime guarantee. And these, these, these do. <laughs> but when you read the fine print, even of the Tilly hat, you see that their warranty is not really limitless. It may be lifetime, but it's not limitless. Let me just read what it says here. What is your hat guarantee policy? If your Tilly hat is, uh, if your Tilly hat is a lifetime guarantee hat and wears out due to, so you might get a Tilly hat, but you got to make sure that it's the one that has the lifetime guarantee. They don't all have it. Okay. So if it wears out due to normal wear and tear, poor workmanship, faulty material, we'll repair or replace your hat. Tip. If you're unsure whether your Tilly hat has a lifetime guarantee, simply look at the woven label inside your hat. It will tell you if your hat is covered. When is my Tilly hat not covered by the guarantee? If your Tilly hat is not a lifetime guarantee hat or is damaged due to misuse and proper care, we will not replace your hat. Tilly and Durables, customer service department reserves the right to determine what constitutes normal wear and tear, poor workmanship, 
faulty material misuse and or improper care. So what I call, you know, normal use might be different than somebody else and could definitely be different than what Tilly's and Durable's determines to be um, appropriate for that hat. Let me remind you, Scripture teaches that God's love for you is limitless. Limitless. Now, even as I say those words, some of you are saying to yourself, nah, too good to be true. I'm not falling for that. Others are saying, just wait a minute. Isn't there some scripture somewhere that talks about the unpardonable sin? You know, where you'll be, you know, cursed and cast into hell and you'd never be forgiven. Well, there is a scripture that talks about the unpardonable sin, but I could argue that that doesn't end God's love for you. It just proves that he's a just God. <laughs> and there are consequences. And some of you sadly will say, my experience with God doesn't feel as though it's limitless. I feel like God has degrees of tolerance beyond which he won't go with me. You believe that if, if you check out the fine print, um, you'll get the truth, that there, 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 there has to be some logical limits. Just, I mean, you know, Tilly, they're being awfully good compared to a lot of things like computers <laughs> TVs <laughs> um, so there but there has to be some logical limit there, there there has to be some fine print well I wonder what we gravitate to when we think of limits of God's love. Like, what's logical? What, what's in the fine print? What should be in the fine print if you were God? <clears throat> Perhaps uh, who you are could be a barrier to the extent of God's love. Perhaps what you've done could be a barrier to God's love for you. Uncertainly, what you will do, <laughs> what you will do could be a barrier to God's love for you. Growing up, I was an Elamite. <laughs> so you said, what's that? Um, no, that's, I was. Um, I, I, had, I, had, I had some minute knowledge of what growing up in a community with a stigma is like. My mom and dad moved to a Bible college in New York State. It was a weird college. Are we taking this? <laughs> when I was there, it was weird. Uh, I've told you about what it was like there sometimes. I had some strange experiences at that college. But uh, aside from all the spiritual strangeness, there was just this weird thing that we lived sort of communally. We all called each other brother. Uh, you know, I, I didn't call uh, Dale, Dale. I called him Brother Herb. God bless you. Uh, it was weird. <laughs> we ate all the same food. 
We all had, even though we were families and we all had housing provided and some was good and some wasn't so good, we, we took our little plastic bucket with Tupperware. Tupperware parties were big. Um, <laughs> but you had these little buckets and you had a, a bucket for what you knew you were going to get because you'd go up to the Elam Bible College cafeteria with your bucket and they would dole out, oh, you've got five in your, seven in your family. You put in so much peas and so many, so much potato and ham and stuff like this. You wanted milk, you went to the, you went to the fridge, the Bible college fridge. Um, there was one advantage. They, they had great sweet buns at the college. I remember that. I was like, man, I could go there anytime time and get a sweet bun. It was awesome as a kid. Um, but this was uh, in the days when being a Christian community... Um, the emphasis was being on separate. <laughs> and so we were supposed to be different, you know? We didn't have a separate school. We all got on the same yellow bus. We all went to the same school as the people that lived normal lives around our Bible college. And we were known as Elamites. Uh, kind of had that weird stigma, like, what are those people doing up there? And I remember Halloween, we had to guard the whole college because we were the target of egging and all sorts of vandalism. Because it's like, we don't know what those people are. I totally understood what it was to be the other growing up. Now that just gives you, just a, that gives me at least a very slight idea of what the woman at the well lived with. The woman at the well that I read about earlier, she was a social pariah. First of all, she's getting her water at the wrong time of day because she probably can't go with anybody else because she's had, she's been a part of, think of it this way, she's not only had five husbands, she's had five families in a small town. You know what that's like? James Taylor used to sing a song used to be her town, too. Just think, you know, if there's one divorce, let alone two, three, four, five, in a small community, I mean, who do you, who do you talk to who doesn't know, right? How many bridges have been burned? She is a social pariah. And from the Jewish perspective, she had other things going against her. She was a woman, and that wasn't just Judaism. That was just being a part of being a woman that, in that era. She was a Samaritan, so the Jews considered them heretics. And there, there was just disdain for Samaritans. And yet we see Jesus Christ and how he graciously, kindly, lovingly reaches out to this woman and, and fills her in on, on a mystery that God, Jesus killed, actually, but it was, it was a mystery that this was the Messiah. 
He was the Messiah. He was the one to come. He was the Christ. He revealed this to this woman. And this woman's life was changed. Drastically, drastically changed. You see, God's love for you is not limited by who you are. You might not be an Elamite, but you could be someone who's had a bad experience growing up. Most of the stuff, actually, that I, that I could mention that would make you feel inferior and lesser than are a product of what's been done to you. It certainly has nothing to do with what God has done in creating you. And it's not a product of what you've done yourself. It's what's been done to you. And the things that are done to us sometimes frame who we are. And so some of us walk around with the scarlet letter of shame. And some of us know that we're not acceptable. Or we deal with stuff that others don't have to deal with. Do you know, when I read the Gospels, it seems like Jesus mostly reached out to deplorables. Seriously. People that were outcasts, the lepers, the prostitutes, tax collectors. You know, just, just people that were, who they were was not good in the eyes of the culture. Some of us believe that because of who we are, we are disqualified from the love of God. Oh, you might believe that he loves you to a degree, but as culture has taught you, and you've come to accept, there's always a limit. <coughs> from another earthly perspective, when you think about, you know, limitless Love and logical barriers to that love. What's in the fine print? You might think of what you've done. Certainly there are things that you have done that would separate you from God's love that, that, that God would not go beyond. We see over and over though in Scripture that it's not the case. I want to read to you from Luke 19 about this guy called Zacchaeus 19 1 to 10 Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. 
But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here, I, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, <laughs> yeah, if. <laughs> How do you think he got wealthy? The dude was a cheat. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. He's already doing the calculation. <laughs> Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham from the Son of Man. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. You see, Jesus loved Zacchaeus despite what he had done. The tax collectors were despised because they were us, they were Hebrew, they were Jews, and they aligned themselves with the Roman Empire, which everyone hated. They actually did the bidding of the Roman, the evil Roman Empire. And the power that that gave them allowed them to exploit people. No wonder they didn't like the tax collectors. They were seen as traitors. If you've done certain things, you would think logically, in the fine print, it would say that you are not free to avail the love of God. But in fact, over and over again, Jesus loved the adulterers, the cheats, the murderers, the very people who put him to his death. God's love for you is not limited by what you've done. And finally then, I just want to think of one last natural barrier that comes to my mind because this is kind of how we treat people and we treat each other. And that would be, I'm not going to be made a fool of. I'm not going to expend my love on somebody that I know is just going to keep on doing the things that are offensive to me. I'm no fool. But the fact of the matter is, the scripture tells us that God loves you and God's love for you is not limited by what you will do in the future. Take Peter, for instance. I just want to read a little bit about from Matthew 16. Matthew 16, 13 to 20. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, ah, some say John the Baptist, others are saying Elijah come back, and 
Still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and by blood, flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Jesus was, was, was naive, right, with Peter? Put his faith in the wrong guy. Put his money on the wrong horse. Do you know that when Jesus said that to him, he knew that Peter would betray him yeah. and would deny him. He knew it. You see, God's love is not limited by what you might do in the future. Peter is an example. Do you think Peter, or I should say, do you think Paul, let's think about Paul for a second, who said, you know, I do the things that I don't want to do. I keep doing them over and over. Who will rescue me? And then he says, Jesus will rescue me. And then when Jesus rescued him, he was perfect for the rest of his life. He never sinned again. No, that's not true. He had that same experience. I do the things that I don't want to do. However, Jesus still was his rescuer. And so, when God extends his love to us, we can know that it is not conditional on us living up to the expectations, but that his love will never end even when we fail. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power, no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. There's some people here that are like me, I am sure, who are going to dismiss what I have to say about the love of God if I don't talk about the consequences of sin. <laughs> it's too bad, isn't it, that the pastor always has to mention the consequences of sin after he's talked about grace and love. I don't deny that there are consequences for sin. I don't deny that God is a just God just as much as he is a God of love. But I want you to know that they are not in conflict. We live in a culture in which you cannot be just and loving at the same time. And you can't be loving and just at the same time. If you're just, you're mean-spirited, you know, you're harsh. If there are consequences, you can't love me. Our God is perfectly just, and he is love. Both. 
And so I'm saying this because somehow people are mixed up with this concept of the justice of God and the love of God. God's love is limitless, but there are consequences for sin. But you know what? You hear about the consequences for sin enough. I don't want you to hear that this morning. I want you to hear that God is love, and he is, his love is limitless. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing that who you are. There's nothing that you can do in the future. God will love you. And he knows you're going to mess up, and you better know there's going to be consequences. But that does not sever his love for you. God loves you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love us in a way that is eternal. It is limitless. It has no <laughs> expiry date or limits on it. Lord, we thank you and praise you that you are a just God. We understand that and we adore you because of that. And we also praise you and thank you that you are a God of love. We have experienced your love. Help us to come to terms with it. Help us to appreciate it. Help us to get beyond how we've been shaped and formed and manipulated and distorted by a culture that does that. Help us to be known that, help us to know ourselves as those who are loved and will be loved for eternity. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We know that he came out of love and because of justice. We thank you that he, in and of himself, addressed the injustice of our sin. We thank you so much. Help us not to continue to beat ourselves up over and over again and even come to the point where we think that we are not eligible for your love because of our sinfulness. Help us to know that you are love and your love is limitless. We pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name.